Hey there, happy new year, and welcome to Takeaway with Sam Okus, a podcast from Nations Restaurant News. I am Sam Okus, editor-in-chief at Nations Restaurant News, and this is the show where I give you an all-access pass to the restaurant industry's most influential decision-makers, This week, I am talking with Scott Boatwright. He is the chief restaurant officer at Chipotle. Scott joined the company from Arby's in 2017, and they have been a rocket ship ever since. You might remember years ago when Chipotle was the standard bearer for fast casual. Of course, they had a little hiccup there in 2015. It is incredible how quickly that CEO Brian Nickel and Scott Boatwright, the chief restaurant officer, have turned things around. They have been once again the standard bearer for Fast Casual in the last four or five years with so many incredible things going on. In 2021, Chipotle opened more than 200 locations. They debuted a digital prototype that has only drive-through and pickup service. They just announced a plant-based chorizo product that's going nationwide. They're talking about doubling in size to 6,000 locations in the U.S. There is so, so much going on at Chipotle today, and I get into that and more with Scott Boatwright. We really dig into what's going to happen here in 2022. What should we expect from Chipotle this year? How are they going to build off that incredible success from 2021? Before I jump into that conversation with Scott, though, just a quick reminder that there are many other ways you can engage with NRN's award-winning content. Not only can you subscribe to our monthly print edition and daily AM newsletter at nrn.com slash subscribe, but you can also subscribe to NRN's other podcast, Extra Serving, where our editors discuss the hot-button issues of the day and we share interviews with a wide variety of restaurant personalities. I highly encourage you to go subscribe to extra serving, not only for the interviews you get every week all year long, but especially because later this month in January, we are launching our annual power list. And extra serving subscribers are going to get exclusive access to interviews with some of the smartest minds in food service who are designing the future of the industry. Trust me, folks, We are finalizing this power list right now, and I am so excited for you guys to see it. We have an incredible list of 50 people. You do not want to miss not only that report coming to NRN.com later this month, but also those interviews that we will roll out at the Extra Serving podcast feed. So go subscribe to Extra Serving wherever you listen to podcasts, and stay tuned for NRN's power list dropping later in January. I am jumping now into my interview with Chipotle Chief Restaurant Officer Scott Boatwright. And one quick note about this interview, we spoke about a month ago, and it was ahead of the Omicron variant of the coronavirus. So in case any of these, uh, any comments about the pandemic seem a little dated, that is why. Also, don't forget to stick around after the interview as I will share my four takeaways from this discussion, actionable insights that you can take with you on the go. All right, Scott Boatwright of Chipotle, as always, thank you so much for your time and chatting today. Scott, lots to talk about. Um, For starters, uh, you know, we were thrilled to uh, give you the Creator Award just a couple of months ago, the inaugural Creator Award for Operations, uh, because of your incredible work at Chipotle and the things you've been able to do with this company and the way in which Chipotle has been positioned for success in the pandemic and beyond. 
but also talking today just about how the year has been for Chipotle and looking ahead at 2022, how things will go. So Scott, let's just start with a recap of um, where Chipotle is at right now, um, because I know for a lot of companies, you know, we've we've had the quote unquote pandemic recovery um, as if you even ever really needed to have one. But also, you know, so much has changed in the past 18 months. So if you were to just gauge where Chipotle stands today in terms of the operations, how things are coming along, you know, how would you gauge where, where things stand? Absolutely, Sam. And first, hey, thanks for having me on today. Um, really appreciate the opportunity to share some of the great things that we're doing at Chipotle with uh, the rest of the industry. Um, you know, coming into this pandemic, I think I've mentioned to you in the past, Sam, we were, we were well positioned um, based on our digital strategies that we put in place back in 2016, 2017. Uh, and we saw exponential growth in 2018, 2019 in the digital channel specifically, um, 100% year-over-year growth. Now, of course, it's magic of small numbers back in 18 and 19, where we went from 5% of sales to 10, then to 20. Um, but the pandemic really accelerated our, uh, our digital adoption for our consumers. And um, we were, again, well-positioned coming into the pandemic. So we were likely faring better than a lot of our industry peers because of the early investments that we had made. But I think it really showcased or highlighted, if you will, uh, the need for additional access points for all brands in the industry and try to meet the consumer where they are. Um, coming out of 2019 was a really great year. 2020 was a challenge for everyone, right? We hit the heart of the pandemic around March of 2020. Um, and we moved from 20% uh, of our business being in, in the digital channel to almost 80% of our in total revenue coming through the digital channel. Wow. And so, you know, that transition, of course, you know, really pivoting your workforce from the traditional in-restaurant experience into the digital channel was not easy. And, um, you know, I really give a lot of credit to our teams out in the field uh, who are, are, are very nimble, very resilient. And, uh, and very patient, if you will, with all the changes that we threw at them throughout 2020 and 2021. Um, but all, you know, I believe really grounded uh, in our purpose of cultivating a better world, continued to forge on and, uh, and really met the challenges in stride. And so we had a really, really fair 2020, I would say, and then had an acceleration coming into 2021, coming into the recovery, uh, which saw ebbs and flows from a, from a sales performance throughout the year. Um, we uh, saw an acceleration early on and then the Delta variant uh, became very real around midsummer. And so we saw additional challenges coming through third quarter, still had a great result in third quarter, feel really good about our, our earnings call um, and, uh, and Q4 shaping up nice as well. Talking about that transition to digital business, this is obviously such a theme across the industry. But you know, coming back to your point about the patience of your team, I am curious about what are the pain points of shifting to a digital operation such as what Chipotle has done, especially to do it so quickly? What are those pain points along the way that you've had to get in order to make sure this all can work as it should? Yeah, a couple of things, Sam. So if you think about our operation today with uh, 42 to 50% of our business is still coming through the digital channel while we're seeing almost 80% of our in-restaurant business return. And so I think about it more as a centralized production kitchen today that is serving two very different channels of business and two very different consumer need states. You know, our traditional customer that comes in restaurant is looking for the entire package, right? The entire experience 
And if you think about those attributes that are most important to that guest, they're around cleanliness, hospitality, speed of service, overall food quality, um, and then uh, and then accurate portioning. And so, you know, for the digital channel, the need states are very different. I think there are three tenets of the digital business that are very core to that experience. And if you can deliver on these three tenets, uh, you can really um, outpace your peers, if you will, in the space. And those are um, food quality and portioning. I couple those two things together because they're very important to the overall experience for that consumer. Um, they have to be on time. I need to get that bag to the shelving unit or in the driver's hand at the promised time. And then lastly is really accuracy. And so if you think about Chipotle historically, accuracy was never an issue because the guest is the one who built the order down the line. Right. And so really teaching the accuracy component and most of my QSR friends um, out there in our industry today have understood the accuracy component for many, many years. I don't think there's any other brand attribute that is more polarizing than getting accuracy correct. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I think, I think about accuracy as a contract with our guests, meaning they, they've engaged me to deliver a product. They paid a fair price for said product. Now I've got to ensure they get everything that they ordered. And so that was one of the pain points for us early on is really teaching our, you know, hundred thousand employees across the industry or across our, our enterprise, how critically important accuracy is, is to the overall experience. And then really putting the learning lessons in place uh, so that folks can become more accurate and deliver on those expectations. One of the um, terms I like to use a lot now, I, I credit to Brian Nichol as being the first person I heard this term from. I'm sure it was around plenty before, but um, I remember speaking with Brian shortly after he started there at Chipotle, and he he talked about that need of removing friction from the customer experience. And um, a lot of what I think about today is how much the last year and a half has been everybody else learning to have learning how to strip out the layers of friction because the friction was really where early in the pandemic was where all the risk was. And so then, you know, all those layers came out. So I'm curious from your standpoint, how much friction is left to remove from the Chipotle experience? Because we, we've got it to that point where you can push the button and boom, it gets delivered to my door. How much are you constantly working on that piece of this? You know, I have an ops services team here in our support center in uh, Newport Beach that is constantly looking at the consumer experience and trying to understand what is next, right? What's the next rev on removing friction for our consumer? You know, that work started early on back when I joined Chipotle in 2017, where if you ordered digitally in our channels, the, the experience was a bit clunky in the digital experience. And then what's in restaurant, you didn't know whether, do I get in line? Do I cut the line and engage the cashier? Where's my order? Um, and so, just, just, I think there's a lot to be learned um, uh, by being in your restaurants and evaluating the experience, talking to consumers about um, what's going well, what's not going well, and then working to constantly innovate. Um, I think, I think there's a there's a thirst in our team uh, to continue to improve the consumer experience, and we continue to make that a core a core tenet of uh, of our belief system. And so I say that to say. If you just watch the pain points for the consumer and for your team members in restaurant and begin to strip those things away, because I think the team member experience is also critical uh, for a great guest experience. And I've always said that the, uh, the guest experience will never exceed that of our team members. And so for us, it was really important to look for those pain points for our, our folks in restaurant so they can deliver a better experience for our guests. And so early on, we put 
pinch shelving units, as you know, Sam, to allow the guests to walk straight to our um, our shelving units and pick their order and leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next rev on that was the Chipotle Lane. And so, and that was born out of what if they never had to get out of their car? And so, um, and we believe that's the digital drive-through of the future. And so we're super excited about um, uh, how those are performing across the country and more of our new restaurant development in the future will be in Chipotle Lane um, around our Chipotle strategy as well. So uh, I think back to the original question, I think the team has, has, has got to have an attitude of constantly innovating and looking to improve the experience for both team member and guest. Yeah, I want to talk about the Chipotle because it feels like the, it was really fortuitous, either the timing of the development of the Chipotle because, um, you know, you guys uh, launched that pre-pandemic and that you introduced this model. But, it, you know, you guys have obviously very much doubled down on it since the pandemic started because you've recognized the potential of it. Tell me about what you've learned about the Chipotle in particular in this season, because you've kind of now had to expedite this process of, of jumping into that Chipotle what have you learned about rolling it out and, and training your teams and, and how to really make sure you're, um, you know, executing against the expectations of drive through in the Chipotle fashion? Yeah, great question, Sam. You know, early on when we were in discussion around putting a window, uh, a drive through window, if you will, in one of our restaurants, we contemplated a full service drive through as one option. And um, we quickly moved away from that idea for a host of reasons. Uh, we just truly felt like this digital shift was going to happen um, in our industry and accelerate over the coming years. And we continue to lean in on that position. Uh, we saw the, what, what happened in retail from a bricks and mortar strategy to a digital strategy, um, e-commerce strategy, God, 10, 15 years ago. We knew that you know, the food service industry was probably going to go through the same transformation. Mm-hmm. And so we designed... Our, our Chipotle lane around this whole digital evolution. And we felt like that was going to be the strategy going forward and that your traditional drive-through experience would begin to wane and other brands would work vigorously to figure out how they could deliver on the same experience as, uh, as our, our digital Chipotle lanes. Mm-hmm. And so and many of them have, or at least an exploration of how they do the same thing. Um, although most are entrenched in the traditional drive-through experience. Now, I know this has really kind of um, changed your approach to real estate, right? I mean, tell me a little bit about this now, uh, this this strategy of how you find the right location for a Chipotle, considering that you have this new arrow in your quiver in the Chipotle. How do you go about finding that best location for a Chipotle operation, knowing that that is available to you? Yeah, Sam. So it's, it's, it's very similar to the old process uh, with one exception. So we go in and we take a look at the trade area and we understand is this trade area right for Chipotle? And if that answer is yes, then we look at site specific locations um, and specifically are looking for the Chipotle access point. Meaning uh, we have uh, obviously a wrap around the building and an opportunity to put a window in, whether that's a standard or an end cap with a drive-through, um, which are also highly profitable. And so, uh, and working with our brokers and developers across the country, they know that's our first point. And so uh, when we view a trade area, if we're boxed out, we'll continue to push hard to ensure that we can get a Chipotle in that trade area. And, uh, and after you know, extensive exploration, uh, if the answer is no, then we'll, we'll go with a traditional Chipotle versus a Chipotle, uh, but that's not our initial strategy. With something then like your digital kitchen, um, thinking about how this opportunity exists now to have 
real estate that is, you know, not does not require your typical dining room does not require, you know, to, to have a, a off premises only kind of location that too must open up your horizons a little bit for what you can do in terms of placing restaurants. Right. So how are you thinking more about that, about what a, what a Chipotle even looks like, what a Chipotle footprint might look like and how you can strategically place it into each of these trade areas. Absolutely. We've done a lot of exploration into what I call a menu of venues. Sam, and we think about that as a real estate strategy. Um, today, we're at 3,000 restaurants. We're heading to 6,000. Sam, so I, I say that to say there's a ton of white space across the U.S. today. And so our, our primary focus is Chipotle development. Uh, I believe we've publicly stated over 80% of our development strategy will be Chipotle restaurants specifically. And then we'll fall back to the traditional Chipotle experience. Um, the digital strategy is a smart one. Um, if you think about it in terms of a seam strategy, uh, where you have two freestanding Chipotles that are performing at a very high level, and you want to offload pressure off those two high volume restaurants, and you can't do a traditional Chipotle restaurant in that trade area, then that digital strategy comes into play um, where you can implement a new restaurant, um, digital forward restaurant, if you will and then offload some of the digital pressure on those other two assets. So, but I don't know that, I think we're a pretty long way away from that, Sam. Again, mm -hmm. there's a lot of white space across the U.S., and we'll continue to build traditional Chipotle restaurants where we can. Part of me wonders almost how there's traditional white space or how there's white space left for you guys, just because, I mean, everywhere I've lived, I've always had a Chipotle. I'm just wondering, like, what, what is the next frontier in Chipotle growth? How, how, where does that white space exist for you guys? You know, we have, um, we have our markets designated uh, as proven or established, and then we have new markets, emerging markets. And so there's still a lot of emerging markets that are on our list. We still have a ton of proven uh, markets where we still have a ton of growth potential. And, uh, and quite frankly, even in our established markets, Sam, uh, we're still seeing a lot of success opening new restaurants. So um, at least I think we're, we're very fortunate. Um, to have uh, you know the brand following that we have, and I think it's I think it's um, it's really grounded in our food strategy, our food with integrity, and our and our purpose that uh, that really resonates with our core consumer. And uh, we we continue to open in new markets where we welcome new fans to the brand, and um, they seem to uh, enjoy our product offering. And so I just think we're in a good space right now. Again, uh, you know I think. I don't think, I'm fairly certain we can get to 6,000 restaurants here in North America over the next few years. You know, even after I said it out loud, I thought to myself, my closest Chipotle is actually in a mall. And um, so I will actually drive further to go to the Chipotle that's easier to park in. And I'm like, if you put one closer, I'm going to go to that Chipotle and say, so, you know, so, so somehow I can tell you guys can, you know, fill in the market and make sure you're getting even closer and closer to, to the customer. I'm sure you have to think about that a little bit about the way people move and about their lifestyle. Absolutely. Absolutely. We take a look at every trade area to understand the consumer dynamics, um, you know, trade area, geography, understand, you know, who's our consumer, daytime population, road traffic, you know, all the usual stuff, um, uh, Sam. And so um, I think our team is quite disciplined in their process and their approach. And, uh, you know, I give our development team a lot of credit. I think, I think they're some of the sharpest and brightest in the industry. And, um, you know, we, we continue to open with great success again all across America. 
So going back to the sort of di digital revolution of the last couple of years and, and Chipotle's role in that, you know, um, you know, your your predecessors, um, Chipotle's leadership of your uh, sort of famously did not want to do things like drive through and, um, you know, kind of had this. Um, you know, resisted a lot of the innovations that came around as far as service. And so you guys have definitely leaned into some of those things. But I'm wondering, you know, obviously Chipotle still being this fast casual brand that is a cut above that maintains that high quality standard. As we go through this digital revolution, I'm wondering what that line is for you. Is there ever too far to where it's, you know, not the Chipotle standard for you guys? There is. I think it's a it's a it's a, it's a tightrope that we walk. Right. And so we want to be I, I mentioned earlier that innovation is a core tenet of our operating philosophy. And so we want to be leading um, with with industry, um, you know, technology, uh, new formats, um, how we think about the consumer experience. Um, but we don't want to we don't want to fall to a place where I shouldn't say fall. We don't want to be operating in a place where we're viewed as a traditional QSR. So we're very careful in how we think about either the design, the new products that we bring into the space, how we promote said products. Uh, and, uh, and we will not do um, a traditional drive-through experience. I think there's too much success in our digital strategy and our Chipotle strategy today. Mm -hmm. So we're in, uh, you know, almost in December here. We're coming up on the end of the year. I'm sure you're thinking a lot about the coming year, you guys are probably making plans and, and, and setting your strategy. Tell me about 2022. I mean, you know, we've lived in this era of such un unpredictability for a year and a half now, and obviously we still are. And now here we have another variant on the horizon and we're all wondering what that's going to be. But generally speaking, what are you, what are you expecting in 2022 for Chipotle? Yeah, I have a ton of optimism, Sam. Um, I think we have some products in the hopper that we feel really good about. We're currently testing plant-based chorizo, which we feel really good about. It's a beautiful product. It's a product made in the kitchen, not in the lab, uh, with our food with integrity philosophy. Um, we're excited about our, our new chicken innovation we have in test today. It's our first ever um, uh, new chicken strategy for Chipotle around our, our uh, um, pollo asada, which is in test in Cincinnati, as well as in uh, Sacramento. So we feel really good about that product. Uh, and then all the other arrows that we have in the quiver from a product innovation perspective in the coming year to really give our consumers um, some variety as they come into our restaurant or order digitally. So we're super excited about that. Uh, we're going to lean in on development. Uh, we'll build more than 200 restaurants this year and look to accelerate in 2022. Um, and uh, with regard to COVID, I think we've lived with COVID now for two years. And so as more and more Americans are getting vaccinated, we get closer to herd immunity. Um, and I, I don't know that COVID will be as big a disruption uh, in 2022 as it has been in recent months. So we feel really good about uh, the upcoming year. We have, uh, we have a sound strategy and, um, and, uh, and a team that is really fired up and a culture that is really strong. So uh, I look forward to an exceptional 2022. One thing I want to touch on, too, is just some of the challenges in the restaurant industry today, of course, being labor and supply chain. Um, and, you know, love the optimism. I'm wondering if does that optimism um, transfer over to labor and supply chain as well? I mean, are you guys seeing those easing up at all? Are you seeing your strategies as it relates to I know you've got a lot in uh, investments towards your culture and towards your teams that must help. W tell me a little bit about how you feel about some of those challenges in particular and what you see ahead in 2022. 
Sure. I, you know, with regard to supply chain, you know, um, our supply chain team, gosh, I think about the work um, that they have completed over the last 18, 24 months, and it's just unbelievable um, what they've been able to accomplish. And working with our farmers and suppliers across the country who are um, absolutely dedicated to our process, dedicated to our purpose, um, we have some of the best and the brightest. And we, um, I don't know if you knew this, Sam, but we continue to invest in the future farmers uh, of mm. America and to ensure mm-hmm. that we have adequate supply of great high quality food, not only for our brand, but for Americans in general. And so um, that said, we have to figure out what portion of the supply chain process, uh, the, the impediments that we see today are transitory and which ones will be uh, really sticky in the coming months. Um, but we feel very confident that we'll have adequate supply for our restaurants over the next year. Um, with regard to labor, labor's been a challenge. Labor's been a significant challenge for our industry. Um, I do believe um, that our strong value proposition, our employee value proposition is really, really strong today, Sam. And I, I don't think that our challenges are um, as severe as some of our industry peers. You know, I believe that, um, I think we have, we hire people that are committed to our purpose, that are values driven. Um, I know that, you know, we raised wages this summer to an average of $15 an hour um, so that, you know, wage doesn't become part of the conversation and our benefits can work as hard as they possibly can for our team members across the nation as well. I, I know that we have industry leading benefits today, Sam, whether it's you know, um, mental, financial, or physical health benefits that we offer. We offer over 100 debt-free degrees across 10 different universities uh, for our team members, whether that's a degree in culinary, engineering, business, um, uh, or, or any other, you know, program that they're looking to get into or interested in. So I think that said, you know, an industry-leading employee value proposition really sets us up well for the future. Um, with regard to labor specifically over this past year, when the Delta variant hit, we saw another massive shortage, uh, and that's beginning beginning to wane. Uh, we're starting to see some recovery there in our organization, which we're super excited about. Um, we want to make sure that you know, we're fully prepared for the upcoming season, and, uh, and we're in a good position today. So I think we're, I think we're pretty fortunate. All right, Scott, I have one last question for you, and I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. You're welcome to think about this if you need to. But, sure. you know, just thinking as we as we come into a new year and reflecting on the past, I'm curious for you, what is one thing that's come out of the COVID era that you hope stays around? And what's one thing that's come out of the COVID era that you hope goes away for the restaurant industry generally or Chipotle, whichever? Oh, wow. Uh, the One thing I hope goes away, I can answer very quickly, Sam. Um, you know, I think we've got to do a better job as an industry of inviting people uh, into our industry in a meaningful way so that they understand that there's a lot to be gained from a career in the restaurant space, both emotionally and financially, right? I think it's emotionally rewarding when you can, when you can help people, um, you know, have an opportunity for folks that are creating an opportunity for folks that otherwise ordinarily wouldn't have those opportunities. And I think we have a responsibility to reach down and continue to pull people up. And the only way we can do that is we create this, this, um, this environment where people want to be a part of this restaurant industry, continue to learn and grow and develop, become business leaders in our space. Uh, and again, you know, I think the financial rewards are, are really strong as well. So the one thing I hope goes away is this, 
this exodus from our industry, people start to move back into it, recognize it as a significant opportunity because I still believe that it is and will continue to be. Mm-hmm. Um, what came out of it? You know, I think for us as an organization, Sam, we learned a couple of things about being flexible, about being nimble. Um, even as a large organization, you know, we were, we were super nimble coming through this pandemic and we were able to pivot when we needed to, to meet the needs of our team members and our guests. And, uh, and I hope that's something that will stay. We'll stay agile, we'll continue to innovate. I think those are really core tenets of our organization and some of those new to our organization because of the pandemic, right? The mm. flexibility, the nimbleness, um, the open-mindedness and, uh, and the transparency, if you will, uh, that came out of uh, the pandemic, meaning not only for our team members, but for our guests, they wanna, they wanna do business with or work for a company that's very transparent in their dealings, um, that are, are openly communicating uh, and that are actively visible. And so one of the things that I demanded of my team, my above restaurant team during this pandemic was we're gonna be in restaurants, we're gonna help support our general managers and team members uh, deliver the experience. We're gonna lead with empathy and understanding. And I think that has made us a better organization in total and really sets us up for a really bright future. That's great. Scott, this is wonderful as always. It's so nice to talk to you and looking forward to seeing what's ahead for Chipotle in the coming year. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Sam. Have a great week. That was my interview with Chipotle Chief Restaurant Officer Scott Boatwright. So what should you learn from this interview? Here are my four takeaways. My first takeaway is that your dine-in guest and your off-premises guest are probably looking for two wholly different experiences. They have two completely different need states. In some instances, they might be two completely different people. Um, You know, maybe this is an obvious fact, but it probably wasn't obvious to restaurant operators ahead of the pandemic. There was always that question of, would delivery business be incremental or are you just moving dollars around? And after talking to Scott, and and you hearing about what Chipotle has experienced the last couple of years, it seems pretty obvious that this off-premises business is incremental. You are not just taking your existing customer who came to dine in and putting them in a uh, delivery situation. And the fact is, is that restaurants need to approach these experiences differently. They need to design each experience, the on-site and the off-premises experience, with those differences in mind. So in particular, for your dining guest, you need to think about the fact that these folks want hospitality. They want cleanliness. They want those touches inside the restaurant that communicate quality to them. And as you are in a very off-premises mindset right now at your restaurant, you might not be thinking about those things. The fact is that your dining guest has a different experience in mind than all of these people who are coming to your delivery channels and your off-premises channels. And related to that, my second takeaway is that off-premises guests are seeking an experience that's really in alignment with traditional QSR. They want quality, they want speed, and they want accuracy. 
my career for almost 13 years, I have been talking about um, so much around drive-through, quick service, the elements of that industry that really make it so successful. And and this is it. This is the holy trinity right here, speed, accuracy, and quality. And, uh, you know, fast casuals, full-service restaurants that are investing more in off-premises, they need to think about those things a lot more as they double down on off-premises service. You need to look at the QSR space and look at the things that makes that category so successful. You need to focus on quality, speed, and accuracy because again, your off-premises guest is looking for a totally different experience than what your dine-in guest is looking for. And so if your experience to more dine-in business before the pandemic, before this digital revolution uh, that has transformed the restaurant industry, that might not be in your wheelhouse, but it needs to be. My third takeaway is this. As you seek to improve your guest experience, watch how your customers engage with your brand and ask them about the experience. Then adapt your experience accordingly. Scott talks about how, you know, this fact of removing friction from the restaurant, uh, from the customer experience. This is something I, I told Scott in this interview. Brian Nichol was the first person I ever heard use that terminology, but I feel like you hear it everywhere now. The idea of taking the any challenges, any hurdles that stand between the customer and getting their food, you know, time, waiting in line, having to travel to the restaurant, stripping away that friction so it is as easy as possible to get that food. That's something that Chipotle is all about. And Scott talked about in this interview how they are learning what those friction points are, those pain points, by watching the guests in their restaurants and talking to them and finding out what they want from their Chipotle experience. I highly recommend this to you if you haven't done this already. Get deep with your customer to find out what they want out of your restaurant. Watch them as they come inside the restaurant. Watch as they move through the restaurant, as they make decisions. Is it as easy as it can be? Are those pain points still there? And if so, address them. As you improve that experience, you are going to have a happier and more loyal customer. Finally, my fourth takeaway is that ghost kitchens can be a very smart way to relieve pressure off your busy restaurants in a particular trade area. I know that ghost kitchens kind of seem like this fancy thing that allow you to participate in maybe virtual brands or to get into a neighborhood you weren't already. But the fact is, is that ghost kitchens are probably going to be more practical going forward. They're going to be a lot more about strategically placing a kitchen in an area where maybe your restaurants cannot handle the volume of digital ordering. That's been the case for Chipotle. Scott said that some of the restaurants were too burdened with digital orders in certain trade areas. And so now they can put these digital kitchens into that neighborhood, facilitating the off-premises business to take the pressure off of those busy restaurants. It's a very, very smart strategy, and this is what I think is gonna be the future of ghost kitchens, really strategically thinking about what are the parts of an area that want more delivery, want more pickup, carry out, and how can you do that without having to invest in a full restaurant? Uh, it's exciting to see where the future is going. And as always, Chipotle is really out ahead of this stuff and leading the way. Those are all my takeaways for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to subscribe to Takeaway wherever you listen to podcasts and leave your feedback. You can also email me at sam.okus at informa.com. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next week.